Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, May 26th. I'm Wayne Pratt. St. Louis County has issued a travel advisory following Memorial Weekend partying at Lake of the Ozarks. The county's Department of Health is calling on people who did not follow social distancing to self-quarantine for 14 days or until they test negative for COVID-19. This advisory comes as Missouri's health director issues a warning about the weekend partying at Lake of the Ozarks. Dr. Randall Williams says the potential spreading of the disease could have, quote, long-lasting and tragic results. Also today, a researcher at the Missouri Historical Society who has studied the 1918 pandemic says steps taken more than 100 years ago could help us cope with a possible second wave of coronavirus. By limiting our exposure and contact with other people, that's kind of the best approach, the most effective approach. So I think that's the biggest lesson that we can learn from history. We'll examine how some of those lessons from the 1918 pandemic can be applied today. As we mentioned, the St. Louis County Department of Health has issued a travel advisory after images of people crowding at Lake of the Ozarks went viral over the holiday weekend. County Executive Sam Page asked the department to make the move, which includes urging people who did not observe social distancing to self-quarantine for 14 days or until they have tested negative for coronavirus. Page calls the behavior at the lake reckless and says it risks setting the region back substantially from efforts to slow the spread of the virus. The county health department also recommends employers screen workers for health risks, including recent travel and social distancing behavior. Those images from Lake of the Ozarks have attracted national media attention, and they've also prompted a reaction from Missouri's health director. Dr. Randall Williams warns the virus has not gone away and social distancing needs to continue. Many families are moving their loved ones out of nursing homes because of the outbreak. Here's St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen. St. Louis County resident Gary Shank pulled his 94-year-old father out of his nursing home on the second week of May. That was after learning three residents had tested positive for the coronavirus at his dad's facility, Delmar Gardens in Chesterfield. He would have probably stayed there if it wasn't for this corona, you know, because he was getting good therapy there. Advocates for nursing home residents advise against bringing someone home. Chan Hung is the program director at Voice, and he says caring for someone at home could be very costly and difficult. If you move someone back home, then, uh, you know, how are you going to provide all the care? More than a third of long-term care facilities in St. Louis County have residents who've tested positive for the virus. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. The pandemic is causing a big drop in traffic on local roads, and that has been helpful for street and transportation departments. In St. Louis, crews have been able to pave downtown streets torn up by utility work. Contractors on Missouri Department of Transportation projects have been able to work longer hours, which means they should be finished sooner. Illinois Department of Transportation construction engineer Joel Cumby says crews have closed lanes and repaired pavement on the section of Interstate 255, which remains open. And that will allow us to stay on schedule with that project and not run along with it and get it done on time. Cumbie is asking drivers to obey work zone speed limits. While traffic was down nearly 40 percent in Illinois compared to last April, the people on the roads are driving faster. 
Illinois lawmakers have kept most of the state's spending plan intact despite the devastating economic impact of coronavirus. That is all contingent on borrowing up to $5 billion. Reporter Bill Wheelhouse reports the package was approved in the legislature's just completed four-day session. In light of COVID-19, lawmakers increased workers' comp benefits for those catching the disease on the job, expanded voting by mail this fall, and will allow financially strapped bars to serve cocktails curbside. But House Republicans say much was left unsaid and undone. Republican leader Jim Durkin says with over a million people out of work, there should have been discussions of reforms of state government, property taxes, and pensions. I stand here today to tell those 1.2 million people and all fellow residents that the General Assembly has done today is the same old song and dance, the same movie you've watched 20 times before and you know every line. Republicans did go along with a plan to lower taxes for a yet-to-be-built Chicago casino. I'm Bill Wheelhouse. As St. Louis and other parts of the country begin to reopen in the midst of the pandemic, there is concern about a second wave of the outbreak in the fall. The Missouri Historical Society's Michael Benzo has spent years studying the 1918 influenza pandemic. He tells me that some lessons from roughly 100 years ago can be applied today, especially if the virus returns in a few weeks. Pandemics typically do come in these waves. And what's mostly considered the first real wave of the influenza pandemic actually occurred in early 1918. And we think of it starting historically as in Spain, but that's a bit of a misnomer. It's actually been tracked with more recent research out of Kansas. Camp Funston, which is at Fort Riley, Kansas, which is where troops were training to go overseas, those soldiers then took the disease with them, and it took off throughout Europe in World War One. And what we consider the second real wave of influenza came as those soldiers started coming back as early as August and through November. Was there anything we can learn from those waves in 1918 and apply it to what we anticipate might be a second wave later this year? I heard a quote on the NPR by Dr. Howard Markle, who's the director of the Center for History of Medicine at the University of Michigan. And he's somebody who wrote a real pivotal article about this in analyzing these 43 largest cities in the United States in 1918. And what Dr. Markle said is we're actually hiding from the virus by doing these social distancing measures, hoping to buy time to a point where a vaccine may be ready. That really is the big lesson just like they were in 1918 and we are today, we're sort of hiding from the virus. And so by limiting our exposure and contact with other people, that's kind of the best approach, the most effective approach. So I think that's the biggest lesson that we can learn from history. And there's a possibility that hiding would make any further waves less deadly? You know, it's a balance. I don't envy the public officials that have the difficult challenge of weighing the health concerns and certainly an increasing number of potential deaths with the economic concerns that we're all facing. Just like they they did in 1918, when you have people quarantined or staying at home, 
we all get restless and there's pressure for us to get out and do these things. And so it's a very tough position that a lot of our public officials are facing right now. I don't think there's one answer to that question. I don't think history offers the perfect solution. Every situation is a little bit different and it's trying to kind of find that balance of what it will take. But certainly knowing that there's more than likely to be a second wave and history has shown us that the second wave is often a heavier toll than the first wave. With all your research into the 1918 pandemic, is there one element that really sticks out with you or you found very surprising? It shouldn't be, but it is still a little bit surprising that so many of the same um, issues and concerns then are the same ones that we see now. We tend to think that history repeats itself. And I like what Mark Twain said, that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. It's that notion that there are so many lessons within the history and our past. They may not be precise. It may not be the exact parallel to what we're experiencing, but it is pretty remarkable how Americans and St. Louisans have very, very similar concerns as they did 100 years ago, and they approach it in much the same way with the solutions as well. That's the Missouri Historical Society's Michael Venzo talking about what we can learn from the 1918 influenza pandemic and apply it to a possible second wave of coronavirus infections. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.